Hey everybody, Victor here. If you did happen to catch the earlier recap episode, it was about 25 minutes long. This is the full version. It's uh, with much more breakdown of the mythology, the comic book mythology, and what it might pertain to the Loki show and the future of the MCU as well. So it's a very long conversation full of a lot of interesting details, but you can skip to about 25 minutes in and you'll get the additional content. Otherwise, catch from the top and you can hear the episode breakdown along with that longer conversation, like I mentioned. Enjoy. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Need Some Introduction. Today's episode, another recap, a recap of Loki, episode two on Disney+, Plus, simply called The Variant. So before we get going, just some quick notes off the top. Please reach out to me if you have any comments about the show or about our show, needsomeintroduction at gmail.com. We are also just beginning to recap Evil, season two. We just did a recap of the entire first season last week, and we will be giving our recap and review of the first episode of season two, and that will be coming out this weekend. Also, finally, another music episode this weekend. Stay tuned for that. And of course, if you are watching Mayor of Easttown, all of the Mayor of Easttown recap episodes are still in our feed, so feel free to listen through those if you're catching up now. So first impressions of the episode, another excellent episode. And interestingly, everything that I did, I speculated on last week paid out in this very next episode. So what I kind of had suspected would be the arc of the show for the season turned out to just be table setting. This is just us two episodes in and uh, pretty much everything that I had speculated at uh, last week has paid off already. So we are just set. This is all these first two episodes were really just kind of table setting for what is to come. And I honestly can't imagine what is, you know, this is such a reset at this moment in the show that I honestly don't even know what is to come. And that is very exciting because this is another quality episode. Also general impressions before I get into the breakdown. Wow. How great is Owen Wilson in this role? Um, You know, he kind of, when he was at his peak of his fame, he played this bratty, you know, almost surfer type, although he was from Texas, actually. But he kind of had this kind of uh, nonchalant rebelliousness, let's say. And what an interesting foil he is here to playing this kind of maybe a bad boy that's kind of gone to seed in this role. And, uh, you know, playing the the tough guy, you know, playing the good good cop, bad cop, or, you know, <laughs> it, within the role of um, uh, this buddy cop show formula, if you want to call it that, with Loki. And they have great chemistry, him and Hiddleston. But great to see him in this role. And, and just so laid back in his performance, but it's the, the chemistry is so legitimate. It's it's a lot of fun to watch them together. So really, really impressed with Owen Wilson here. Uh, Hiddleston continues to be very fun in the role, of course. And it's very, it's interesting the way he performs Loki because it's almost as if Loki does not, you know, this is kind of something that was hinted at last uh, episode, but Loki really does not know himself very well because from moment to moment, he's pretty unreliable and in some ways maybe unreliable to himself, which is kind of interesting. And maybe that is something that we will see play out thematically because now there are different versions of 
um, that are either collaborating or potentially undermining each other. And we have to wait and see how that all plays out. So that is my uh, high level. Um, if you haven't seen the episode yet, definitely check it out. You can pause at this moment if you don't want to have any spoilers for this specific episode. I will only be spoiling this episode, of course. I have not seen anything beyond this episode, as I think no one has, actually. It's pretty tightly under wraps there at Disney. And let's get into the episode breakdown. The episode opens almost with an intentional joke here where we see characters in medieval times. And as the scroll is spinning, we're wondering, where are we? Are we in medieval times? And it turns out, of course, we're not. We're actually in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. And, uh, and it's in the 1980s, actually. So we are um, not in any kind of strange time period like we were last week where we traveled back to uh, France. And we see another group of TVA troopers investigating another time disruption. The head of the group, by the way, the one who survives this uh, initial attack, she's actually a an actress I've seen in a few other things. So I suspect we will be seeing more of her. She will be more important later since she is a known commodity, not just an anonymous red shirt here, I would assume. But there is an attack. The Loki variant kills, I believe, kills all of the other troopers, but lets her survive and drags her off. This variant, this Loki variant, is able to actually inhabit the body of someone that they touch. So it's the, one of the magic powers that it turns out she, I'll just spoil it now, uh, has the ability of doing. This variant of Loki is a female and can actually change, uh, not change shape actually like Loki can, but can actually, or project a different shape, can actually inhabit the body of somebody temporarily. And we're not certain at this moment yet what the plan is, but we do see this attack then we have a very interesting scene, a very entertaining scene, I should say, where we have um, Loki with uh, this animated character, the one who's narrated the um, documentaries, um, the uh, informational documentaries that he's been watching this whole time. And this character is interactive. And when he questions as to whether it's sentient or simply a you know animation, it says it's both. <laughs> so somehow it is responsive to his questions. And then we have a pretty interesting uh, sequence of events where we see Loki is kind of recruited now into... Um, being an investigator into this uh, syndicate. And of course, most people are not on board with this. Uh, Mobius uh, is interested, uh, is more um, persuadable, although we'll see how many, how much trepidation he continues to have about Loki. Maybe not as much as he showed last uh, episode. And I kind of was critical of that. Like, how much does he trust this character? I, you know, they almost played it off as if he was maybe a little too trusting, but I just, that does not seem to be the case. And we'll see a lot more of that in this episode. They give Loki a very funny jacket, which literally just says variant on the back, <laughs> just to be clear <laughs> that he is a variant. Uh, and all these sequences are, are pretty pretty well done and very fun. Uh, we see some of the other variants of Loki, by the way. We have projections of them. He's a soccer player. He's a, he's a, some kind of monster. So he has many different uh, forms that he takes in these different timelines. And he talks about different powers that he may or may not have. This is kind of a wink, I think, to some of the powers that are defined in the uh, comic books. Maybe this is some of the, the cr criticism that has come from comic book fans. And I'll be curious to, to get more feedback about that. So they head back to exactly the scene we saw before, this uh, attack in Wisconsin. And it turns out that really not much happens here other than the fact that we see that Loki's grand scheme is to, first of all, to uh, stall uh, as much as possible, to kind of uh, stifle their natural investigation, and also request that he needs an audience immediately with the timekeepers, which of course Owen Wilson does not uh, comply with. And this is kind of a very clumsy pit play. So once again, it, it remains to be seen whether this is all a long con that Loki's pulling off or if he's just being clumsy early on because he simply 
doesn't know how much he needs, how much work he needs to do before he gets some of the things he wants, or whether he can just kind of, uh, you know, if these people are uh, naive enough to, to let him uh, have that audience. Then we see a few interesting things. We actually see the resetting device detonating and erasing, obviously, all the things that the TVA have left behind. Uh, and we actually see an animation of the um, actual timeline healing itself, as they call it, which is this variation line basically receding back into the sacred timeline. So we can see a visualization of how this works, theoretically, of allowing them to reset things back to the way they choose them to be. And then we see um, Owen Wilson in uh, Ravona Renslayer um, in her office. A few things here. There's one interesting point here, I think, potentially a clue as to what might be a broader conspiracy, is that he's saying, I don't remember bringing you these things, particular artifacts. And she's not. she says that he's not the only investigator that he, she has working for him. And I'm curious to know, are there other variations as well? So is there another Owen Wilson potentially? Or is there another investigator that might be working in hiding right now uh, that we haven't seen interact with the cast yet? But overall, the conversation does not go that well. And uh, she basically criticizes Owen Wilson for some of what he's, you know, some of the trust he's put into Loki. And that leads uh, to maybe the most interesting uh, beginning of the most interesting set of sequences in the show where, first of all, we see Owen Wilson, uh, you know, calling out Loki and saying, I see what you're doing. I know what you're doing. Don't pretend like you think you're so much smarter than the rest of us, which Loki oftentimes does think he's smarter than everybody else, which is usually how he gets into trouble, by the way. And he's basically calling him out on this saying that, you know, we can reset you at any time. Don't think that we don't know what you're doing. And I like this version of Owen Wilson kind of, you know, like I questioned last week, how naive he might be in trusting some of the things Loki says. We then see that Loki starts to investigate, trying to locate where the variant might be hiding and why they're unknowable by the TVA. And a couple of things happen here. We have an emotional moment where Loki has to read the report of the annihilation of Asgard. And that's my first thought at this moment, by the way, is that maybe Loki is hatching a plan to revitalize Asgard. And I do believe, by the way, that the new Thor movie will take place in Asgard. So maybe this is laying the seeds for that, possibly. All speculation on my part. I don't know anything beyond that. I'm just trying to guess as to where some of these things are going. But he begins his investigation. He, Like I mentioned, he has this emotional reaction to seeing the or reading the report of the devastation of Asgard. And then it made him think. It makes him think. And he makes him think that it's possible that the other Loki variant is hiding in these apocalyptic events, because if everything gets erased eventually, then it wouldn't create any of these kind of warning flares to the TVA, which would then, of course, send the investigators in, which means that the Loki is, and we will, this will prove, bear itself out by the end of this episode, by the way, that the Loki is popping up on the timeline intentionally to draw out the TVA for a very specific reason. And we'll see that pay out at the end of the episode. But his theory turns out to be true, that there is the, the case. They prove it out by traveling back to Pompeii, actually, and has a pretty entertaining sequence there where they get to act up just as the volcano is about to erupt and erase the uh, island. And of course, not, there are no red flags of any kind of behavior or any kind of outlier considering that everything is simply going about to be erased. So his theory turns out to be true. But before there, we have a very interesting set of interaction. First of all, there's a very funny sequence where Loki ruins Mobius's uh, lunch, his salad, improving his theory in the most uh, obscure way possible and may almost certainly intentionally ruining his uh, lunch simultaneously. But during this uh, demonstration, this very funny demonstration, he actually you know lays out his theory of the case. And that's what leads them to Pompeo and to... Uh, 
test out this theory. And for me, this leads to the most interesting, this is when they returned from Pompeii, this return, this leads to the most interesting sequence in this episode and the most philosophical one as well, where Loki is basically questioning Mobius and saying, so you believe this, you believe that these timekeepers came and they created this and they're benevolent and they control all time and this is all on the up and up and you believe this, right? Um, Mobius's reaction, which I think is excellent, by the way, is to simply say, of course, I believe it because it's what I need to believe to keep going. And Loki's calling him out. And I can't believe you have faith in these systems. And how do you know that these people are, you know, actually benevolent or not? And he basically throws it right into Loki's face and says, so you're from Asgard and you're a god and you're this and you're that. And, you know, you have your Asgardian gods, etc. And you have these magical powers and you're like, and that's just the way it's always been. And that's the faith you have, right? So it simply is the, um, the belief system that you have. And I find it very interesting that, first of all, that they're exploring this theme that I was curious to see explored in the last episode as to even, once again, even if uh, the, these time um, keepers see themselves as being benevolent, that's all perspective, right? The matter of perspective. If you are, um, once you are impugning your opinion and your decisions on everybody else, you are potentially just a fascist, right? You are potentially just a totalitarian. So it's all from your perspective as to whether you're trying to um, maintain the sacred timeline. Uh, and of course, that also brings up the question of free will at all, right? And uh, and Loki, once again, ironically, Loki is talking about how just one episode ago, the tyranny of free will, and now defending uh, that basically you're not really alive unless you have free will, and isn't the TVA potentially just stealing everybody else's free will? Philosophers have had this argument for a long time. If you're someone who believes, you're, if you're a fatalist, you believe in fate, then how much free will do you have? Um, and then some people would say, well, it's possible that you do still have some decision making within that path. And that is free will. And some people would say, no, that's not true at all. No matter what you do, your outcome is predestined. And in the context of the MCU, are these the powers that be that maintain that? And for how long can you contain chaos, right? Loki is primarily an anarchist. So is that the overall plan? It appears to be, by the way, at least at this moment, that the overall plan seems to be to um, free, free everybody from this sacred timeline and the decision makers behind it. So this sequence is very interesting, and like I said, I think it's going to be important to the philosophy of the rest of the show, and maybe the motivation for Loki's actions going forward. So at that point, Owen Wilson remembers something, a clue that was left previously, which was the bubblegum, which once again seems to be intentionally laid out. This other Loki, by the way, seems to be, at least at this point, the other variant, uh, way ahead of everybody else. And maybe she has some additional knowledge that she acquires that knowledge over the course of you know some of her time hopping. And we'll wait and see how much of that gets revealed over the course of the next few episodes. She is playing everybody very, very well at this point and continues to. And you'll see as that, you know, her plan goes exactly to plan um, at, by the end of the episode. So they're looking for different apocalyptic events that, you know, don't create ripples in the sacred timeline. And they come across that would line up, by the way, with this make of this gum, you know, based on it's, you know, manufactured in the U.S., it's a, a from 2050 or something like that. It's manufactured within a certain time period. They end up traveling to 2050. I believe it's somewhere down in Louisiana, I believe. And it's basically like their version of like a, like a Walmart, let's say, uh, where people are huddled together from a storm. And a little social commentary here, by the way, that they, uh, you know, as they're walking through all of these apocalyptic events going forward, they're almost all environmental disasters in the U.S. I mean, in the in the in the world in the, on Earth. And maybe that's speaking to, you know, climate crisis, potential climate crisis in the near future. We also see that Loki has his power of magic back, which doesn't pay out that much now, but I think they're introducing it because it will probably be more essential 
in uh, the next episodes. And then we have a, and then this leads to this long sequence in the store itself where we see this stalking of the variant. Loki gets left with B-15, which turns out to be bad, although the um, actress gets to give a good performance when, because she gets possessed at one point by the alternate Loki. And that's kind of fun to see basically everybody doing a Tom Hiddleston impression and their versions of that, I, I, especially against Tom Hiddleston himself. So <laughs> kind of funny, uh, you know, meta um commentary there. But then, you know, we, we continue to see this, uh, throughout this episode, by the way, we can continue to see the, the variant cloaked. And I had supposed in the last week's recap episode that this was probably to hide the form that this other Loki was taking, which turns out to be the case because we have Lady Loki, which I know very little about, but I do know that it exists in the uh, comics. And I'd like to get more feedback from that um, later today, possibly. And we'll repost this episode with more information. And then we uh, discover, uh, or as we saw earlier, that uh, Loki variant can actually uh, migrate their consciousness into other people's bodies. And uh, she's able to do that here and through these different uh, forms in other people's bodies by basically just a daisy chain of moving from one to the other is able to confront this Loki variant to once again just buy time because this is all distraction because we have seen her already set up timers across the entire warehouse. And we're not certain yet as to what the uh, overall scheme is. And then there's a confrontation between the two Lokis where, you know, they're trying to, you know, have like almost like a, an ego match to see who is the, you know, the smarter, the most clever, who, man, who manipulated who, who tracked down who, who. <clears throat> but this all turns out to be probably just mostly distraction because eventually all of the portal devices trigger simultaneously and all of the reset devices plunge uh, through those portals into different moments in the timeline and theoretically drop somewhere and eradicate events from the sacred timeline, many of them, all at the same time. And then we see back at the TVA that these uh, the sacred timeline is going haywire, that as moments in time, arbitrary moments in time, maybe not arbitrary, by the way, this might be more strategic than I uh, expect, that specific, potentially important moments uh, in the uh, sacred timeline are erased through the, simultaneously that we now see many, many um, variant uh, timelines emerging, which means that like everybody at the TVA is suddenly mobilized into action to go and, uh, you know, put things back to norm. And all those alternate timelines, maybe where this kind of whole concept of the multiverse, which is coming uh, or, or has already begun and now is going to be explored even more so in the next cycle of uh, uh, Marvel movies, this might be the emergence of that multiverse. And then we're, we're pretty much at the end of the episode there. I did want to call out one more thing here, which is, once again, very interesting. Going back to that philosophical conversation that Mobius and uh, Loki have, where Loki says, so what are the timekeepers doing? What are they doing? You are maintaining the sacred timeline. What are they doing? What exactly is their job? He's basically saying that what they need to do is they need to see all the future possibilities, all the future possibilities, and decide what is that sacred timeline. So once again, it goes to the question I raised in the last episode, who makes those decisions and who gives somebody the right to make those decisions? And I think that's something that will be explored throughout the rest of the season. And maybe that is going to be the bigger thematic, like if there's anything serious to be explored in the show, that might be the more thematically uh, important concept that emerges from this. So like I mentioned, the uh, uh, at uh, you know when the timers detonate, it crosses all these branching events. And then we see the alternate Loki, um, Lady Loki, uh, who's revealed herself as a female form to Loki Prime, 
um, or our Loki anyway. He's not Loki Prime, actually. Um, and then uh, um, she has walked through this portal just as Owen Wilson has finally caught up to uh, Loki and says, don't do it, Loki. But Loki does. He follows her through the portal. And now the question for me at this moment is in, in, the, in the immediate action, like what happens in the next episode is where are they headed? Are they headed to another place in history? Where, where are they immediately heading to? Or, and I think this is more likely, are they headed back into the TVA where um, with, you know, the, the entire um, uh, TVA at this point in chaos as they, uh, you know, most of the uh, military troops are now suddenly running into different, uh, many, you know, hundreds, maybe uh, different branches throughout um, uh, to, to set things straight again. So there's a lot of untangling to do to, you know, to do their jobs to maintain the sacred timeline. And uh, that distraction is a perfect opportunity for the Lokis to go back into the TVA and then do additional exploration, or maybe even worse, right? They take over the TVA potentially if that's their plan. Loki does pitch this, by the way, as a plan, and the lady Loki uh, appears to laugh at the idea. So maybe this isn't her plan, but I mean, that would be my plan, just to put it out there. So I'm very curious to see what happens in the next episode. And that pretty much takes us to the end of the episode. So the question remains as to what is Lady Loki's plan? I really don't know. Like I said, I kind of, everything that happened in this episode, I suspected was going to be thematically what was going to happen over the course of the season. And here we are just two episodes in, and I don't know. I mean, this is pretty much, they used up all my <laughs> story ideas <laughs> by uh, episode two. So they, um, you know, may explore these just maybe a little bit more. Maybe it'll be more action-based and pretty much just looking at, or the Lokis, I should say, uh, infiltrating the TV and people trying to keep them from uh, accessing the, the the Time Lords. But I actually think there's going to be more happening there. I think there's going to be a lot more to explore here. And I'm very interested to see what the last four episodes have to do. But we're, you know, one episode away from the midpoint. You know, it's a very short season, just six episodes, which I'm totally in favor of, by the way. Just have the seasons long enough to cover the story you want to tell. That's all you need to do, right? Let's not make 13 episodes out of everything if we don't need to. But I'm very excited. I really enjoyed this episode also. Maybe not as much as the first one. There was a little more action, but I did a little more action, a little less um, like world building. But I think they did a really great job of world building the last episode, so they didn't necessarily need to spend as much time on that this time. And I really don't know what's going to happen next, which in a good way, I really can't wait to see what the plan is. And now here is that much longer conversation I was having with Ray that I wanted to include. Ray's... Uh, comic book aficionado we'll get into a little bit of his biography here but he has been reading comics for many years and uh, has been following these marvel universe shows and movies with a lot of attention and we had a really interesting conversation and here it is all right so finally i have ray on i finally have a co-host <laughs> i've been teasing it for weeks now so it's finally happening um but uh, before we get going, uh, Ray, uh, I, I wanted uh, to ask you a few questions about your about your experience with the with the MCU in general. But even more than that, I'm always really curious about uh, your fandom itself, like whether, you know, I'm a big music fan. Also, some of my episodes are about people's, uh, you know, we go into an album or into an artist. And I'm always curious to know, like, what got you into comics in general? Uh, and then, like, you know, was it a particular character? Was it a particular brand? And, uh, and then, you know, are you a DC versus Marvel? Or are you like, kind of like what, you know, I'm indie, I'm DC, I'm Marvel, I'm whatever, like, uh, what's, what's your experience? Right. Well, that's the ultimate question always DC Marvel. And, you know, there's not a straight answer. It's not black and white. It's gray, but really for comics, for me, probably got involved with them late, like say grammar school, fifth, sixth grade. Cause some of my friends were involved with them. 
And, uh, you know, it was always Marvel. Marvel was really the printed comic, uh, all the different Marvel heroes. Uh, DC was more like fanfare, like TV, like because at right. the time the Adam West Batman was was still going on. And Batman was then, of course, you got Michael Keaton's first incarnation of the uh, Batman. Those were more movies like DC right. was always movies. Superman, yeah. you know, Superman, the movie with Christopher Reeve was always a movie. I, obviously, we knew there were comics, but for whatever reason, the the Marvel were more. And again, I don't want to turn off the DC fans, but more cerebral in some <laughs> sense. Uh, <laughs> they're better stories. Um, certainly Spider-Man, probably for me, was my favorite comic of all. I mean, and Iron Man, too. The Spider-Man Iron Man were two of my favorites. So that's where really where the comics started. And pretty much through grammar school, middle school, and even into early high school, you know, started reading a lot of these. And that's where I started to really grow to like Marvel. So so whenever when the Marvel Cinematic Universe finally hit, it was like a sort of a dream come true. <laughs> it's like, wow, I can actually finally see these characters embodied on the big screen. So that was pretty neat. Like I wasn't, uh, I, I I was like a DC fan a little bit, but mostly like Batman. I was in, you know, I was in high school when the Batman movie hit. And then, uh, you know, at the time, just DC was kind of having a little bit of a renaissance with some of those darker, you know, like the the Dark Knight, their comic Dark Knight with Frank mm -hmm. Miller and uh, Killing Joke. And, and also like uh, Watchmen, that's around the time that Watchmen came out. All of a sudden, uh, people were taking like comics a little more seriously, but I hadn't grown up uh, reading uh, some of those comics. But I had friends of mine, for example, that what they loved was they were really, really into X-Men. So they had kind of that experience you were describing. Uh, not with the Batman movie, which they were just, you know, I think everybody was just excited to see a comic book movie that was a big budget comic book movie. Right. And now, I mean, the Avengers, like when you think about the the MCU and, and that is like the amount of complexity that they've been able to incorporate and very strategically, right? They, I mentioned this in the, the last week's episode that I posted, that it's kind of really impressed me that even I am kind of like a little bit of a comic skeptic. Like I don't want to be aliens right out of the, the gate. So they really like seduced me. They lured me in with the whole like, you know, Iron Man then slowly worked their way into oh, this yeah. kind of more fantastical yeah. stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, they, they took uh, Iron Man and Captain America, uh, two of the more favorite Marvel comic heroes, and, you know, has a lot of cross promotion. I mean, a lot of people can get into those two characters, whether they like comics or not. And like you said, they, they made it very plausible. I mean, it, it is the uh, realm of possibility uh, that you could have had a multimillionaire tech guy right. build a suit and literally become a superhero very similar like batman with bruce wayne you have right. a rich millionaire who learns the martial arts so they started small with uh suspension of disbelief and plausibility and sort of built on it from there and but they threw know, they threw thor in there pretty early that was that's which, quite a that's quite a leap right there it was tough i mean and again if you look it really was not as popular as the other two yes you good know, point. It definitely good was. Point. i mean it, it was yeah. definitely the third of those three first movies in it of course, you have the Ed Norton Hulk movie, yeah, which kind of was so-so again, another yeah. incarnation of Hulk. And, you know, really, you know, that was sort of, you know, was this going to really work or not? It, yeah. it, it had some uh, beginnings. And I, I always love when they go back in the MCU now and, and have clips from the original Ed Norton Hulk, too. So Yeah. <laughs> but uh, even for the comics, what also was a big thing which got you into the actual specific comic lore was... And I, again, I'll, I'll admit this. I, I did play Dungeons and Dragons when I was in <laughs> high school and uh, TSR did have an RPG game that was modeled in the Marvel universe. Mm -hmm. So that 
gives you a whole nother detail to these characters. Well, you're talking about vibranium or adamantium, like all these different metals. It sort of gets you involved with other storylines, which, you know, maybe you weren't interested in. Like, for instance, I was never a big X-Man person, you know, mm -hmm. but you had to be in that role-playing game to, to know all those different characters and their traits and stuff. So that, that definitely had something to do with it too, probably, you know, so. All right. So then you had mentioned, you kind of predicted this. You had mentioned in uh, in our text last week, you're talking about, uh, you know, I had, you know, not familiar with the comics. I was like, oh, they're, they're hiding something about Loki. You know, like when we see, you know, maybe it's not Loki or maybe it's Loki in a different form of some kind. And you immediately said Lady Loki, right? <laughs> so uh, uh, so you kind of knew something was up, right? Even right. there, was that something that, like, what, what made you suspect that? Well, one, they said they're hunting you and it's a cloaked character. So why would it be cloaked? You know, if there's a big reveal, obviously, if it's already Loki, it's, you know, why cloak him? So right. there's got to be something else to that switch. There's been a lot of speculation for a while, even when they were filming the Loki miniseries, if it was Lady Loki. There was one, they had a still shot where they had a picture of a, of a woman figure, like on backdrop of like a purple backdrop of a lake. Mm -hmm. And many people thought that was actually uh, Scarlett Johansson as Black mm -hmm. Widow. Mm -hmm. But if you look very carefully at it, costume didn't match. It had a very similar costume match to Loki's costume with at mm -hmm. least a green and a brown, a different sort of texturing to it. So that's when initially the idea of Lady Loki came about, which was a huge comic hit when it did come out, like in 2008, as a side story. And even from a cosplay standpoint, it's it's very popular cosplay. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, so there, that's one off the bat but that was an easy one i think a lot of people had suspected that i uh and you and it, it's good that the the villain is at least revealed in you know episode two so that's yeah i mean we could get into it a little more detail a little bit on but i'll just introduce it now which is the uh i, I you know last week i made all the speculation i'm like you know is you know what's the tva's bigger plan and are they going to kind of talk about the moral ambiguity of like you know being able you know deciding people's fates and blah 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 and i'm like this is going to be like like what they're going to cover and also the reveal of who the Loki is, whether it's actually another Loki or whether it's someone impos an imposter of some kind. I'm like, so all this will be revealed over the course of the series. And I was actually really happy to basically say like, oh, well, everything I guessed basically is done in episode two. And now it's like almost like the the, the, the slate is clean, right? We were, we're starting almost uh, all over. Like we've set the table and now we're ready. We're ready to go. Right. So right. I'm very interested in seeing what's going to happen now. Yeah, no, it's good. I, I think it picked up. Maybe they learned something from WandaVision. I mean, WandaVision set up the world for yeah. like almost five episodes before yeah. anything really got interesting and i think they were worried that they'd lose people again like that so they they kind of get right in to it and you know again the episodes are longer too they're almost 45 minutes long each one so you're yeah. not getting this 20 minute tease you're getting a, a full 45 minute uh, episode which fans really want that's what they really like to see so that's good i mean this is i think in every way is more successful than um uh but i think there was more issues with uh wandavision i, I mean it's it, it's uh, you know it's possible that they did learn from the experience of making the other episodes but these uh shows i mean their production schedules are pretty long so i think probably all of these were at some point in production simultaneously like you know like oh, yeah. like loki was probably starting as wandavision was wrapping up so yeah. uh they probably didn't yeah. even know all the the feedback but yeah I, I just feel like this in general is much more well thought out i feel like uh you know i mentioned this earlier also but i feel like wandavision was almost like half measures where they could have gone something where it was like very internal to her it's like really an emotional journey she's going on and or they could have just done like you know like i i actually 
proposed this as a, as an alternative in uh, the previous episode, but I could imagine another version of it where after like the first episode of Wanda being in the TV, we're watching Wanda on TV. Basically, we're on the outside, and I feel like they couldn't decide one or the other, so they kind of yep. split it in half. And yep. I don't think it really worked in either either one. Really didn't yep. work. Well, I I think that's what they did. I, it was a compromise, like anything else. They wanted to try to get the character and flesh her out more and yeah. her relationship with vision absolutely and at the same time they felt that they were losing a whole separate set of audience that wanted to see some kind of plot progression exactly so exactly they kind of did something in the middle to kind of make everyone sort of happy and yeah, uh, yeah. And i think COVID had something to do with it too i mean definitely so, yeah there were some production issues yeah yeah for sure before COVID and then after but even the whole thing with mephisto for instance during that whole thing and then there's yep. a there's a scene like in the in the first episode of Loki in the church in, in the medieval France where right. the, the the kid points to the stained glass and there's a devil figure. Right. And if there was ever an Easter egg for Mephisto like that in WandaVision, people were nuts, you yeah. know, and I, I think it's all just, you know, it's just the devil in a stained glass, you know, picture. Right. It has nothing to do with Mephisto, so it's just well, that's, coincidence, you know. It's just, right, and well, that's why you, you start driving yourself nuts. And maybe they're trolling the audience. By the way, oh. I think that oftentimes they're definitely trolling the audience for the yeah. reason that, like, I, when I'm seeing her him point at the stained glass window, first of all, I'm not making the association, even though you know Loki does have horns in, in his costume, uh, some version I, of his costume. <laughs> but even if, even though that's the case, I look at that and I'm not thinking that. As a matter of fact, I was thinking like, oh, is like is Wanda in her new, you know, uh, her red you know in her new garb is she going to show up as a crossover or something right <laughs> oh that's so true it's so true uh, it, it is and again it's not as much trolling as much as you know i almost picture the marvel like these meetings where you have these corporate people who really don't know anything about the comics right. and then you have you know people maybe like myself that are telling them about the storylines and they drop names and things like that and they like it they hear that go oh i like that that's a real catchy name how do we work this in? But then they don't necessarily do exactly what the comics do either. Right. You know, it, there's multiple examples of that where they'll use a concept because it's neat or it sounds cool, yep. but then they don't use it in any way, shape or form. I mean, the, the best one I can think of is even with the, the TVA from a comic history of TVA. Yeah, I was about to ask you that about no. that. Exactly. So, yeah. Well, there were an, a counter group to uh, the three beings that know all and they're called the Time Twisters. Right. So there's the time keepers, but there are a separate rival villain group called the time twisters. Right. That actually Thor battles with one of the judges in a, in a comic episode where the TVA is first introduced. <laughs> so if you think back to the first episode, that little uh, remote control device that Loki gets a hold of. Yeah. And even Mobius says to him, oh, well, it just moves people. It doesn't move furniture. The, the time twister moves people, not for as soon as he dropped Time Twister, I'm like, oh, here we go. Here is a perfect example of that. Now, that's just a device versus a whole separate villainous being or group. But right. someone heard Time Twister and they went, we like that term. We're going to drop it in somewhere, you know. So, <laughs> Well, that's crazy. what I think is interesting, too, is that. And once again, I, I only know some of this like third hand. Uh, but like even how uh, Kevin Feige in general, the, the who's kind of like the brain trust, along with other uh, famous people as well. Actually, there's a lot of people behind the scenes who help with the story development. But I think it's interesting that 
um, that that the comic books haven't really been spoilers for the no. series because they use Civil War conceptually, but they right. don't follow the storyline. No. They use like uh, you know Thanos, you know the, the Thanos storyline, but they changed it a lot. Right. And uh, and also like with uh, you know the one thing that I know from WandaVision uh, from people who who know more about this than I do, but they're talking about how like WandaVision like at one point she uh, you know she creates this world where her and vision are together and she like exterminated all the mutants. Right. And yeah. in this case, she like incepts the, the, the mutants. Right. So they kind of yeah. subvert the whole thing. Right. Yeah. So uh, it is interesting how they kind of are taking these ingredients and mashing them up. And I guess with Marvel, because you have like, at this point you have multiple uh, uh, iterations of these same characters that, uh, you know, at first were just like, you know, reboots, but then they just turned them into like direct, like um, uh, uh, alternate realities and stuff. It's like, you can do anything you want because they're just in an alternate reality, right? right. So. It's just one of the other Marvel multiverses, you know? Right. I mean, uh, exactly. Hank, like Hank Pym, for instance, in the comics, he was the creator of Ultron. Right. Tony Stark didn't invent Ultron right. Right. with Bruce Banner, but they wrote that in. And, and a lot of times it's more entertaining. It flows with their story and their continuity. Exactly. And it, it, it really works. I mean, it's fun. It makes it yep. fun even for the comic people because it's yep. new. It's something yep. different. No. I think that's the smartest thing they do, by the way, is like, I don't know the comic lore. So in some ways, like you said, I think they're able to just, because they're not being slavishly uh, loyal to the fan storyline, they're right. saying, you know, it's fun for the comics folks because they know something that everybody else doesn't know. They just make the best version, like you said, that fits into their mythology. But then I, if I was a comics fan, like, you know, uh, I was a big fan of Game of Thrones until the very end, but I was a, a big fan of Game of Thrones. And, uh, you know, uh, when I, uh, you know, uh, because the uh, when I started reading the books, and then I knew it was going to happen in the story. It was in a way it's like, you know, I was hoping and they, they, they did a little bit of remixing of what happened there. But, uh, you know, in some ways, I wish they'd done even more where like, you know, they would kill like uh, alternate characters or something to keep it like really keep me really on my toes. Right. But they yep. were pretty loyal to uh, what was written. And, and yep. just as a total side tangent, those uh, I really don't believe that the, re the rest of those books are ever going to get published. Just right. <laughs> so right. I think this is what we got. We got what we got. So. I mean, a lot of these franchises are, are faithful to the source material. I mean, you get the gist, and but they change things, which is great. And it's uh, it's important because, especially for the movies, you have two hours. You don't have enough time right. to have this world building. You don't have all the experience. So they have to just introduce things as quick as they can. So it's it's good. I, I enjoy it. And, and it keeps you on your toes, as you say. You're always wondering, always guessing what's going to happen next. Yes. And uh it's always kind of neat when they have their version of what happens. So. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's like it's as if everybody's making fan fiction, including them, right? It just oh. it's just one version of what everybody's doing, right? So. I, mean, I, I think some of the producers of WandaVision went back and looked at all these fan theories and thinking, well, we'd have to hire some of these people. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's yeah. a great exactly. story, you know. Yeah. And there's even a, a a what if series coming out yes. at some point. Yeah. And you know, some of the uh, topics already have been, you know, actually shown. Uh, by Disney as a preview. And there's always been outcry about something. Yeah. And, and one of the biggest things is there was a what if comic series. So it's right. like, why would you redo the what if of the comic? It's already been told. Let's right. tell a different story now. Right. You know? So same idea, kind of just different genre. But that's just the way I think of it. And, and indeed, uh, the MCU, I guess, even has an actual prime number to it. You know, that I didn't know this until about a year ago where they gave it a, because in, in the comics, there are multiverses of Marvel. So for instance, right. the, the Marvel Prime universe is Earth 616, is where the Prime mm -hmm. story takes place. But there are multiple other stories in other, other Marvel universes, and they're all numbered. So 
the MCU is uh, one nine nine for nineteen ninety nine, and then nine nine. That's what they give as the MCU's version of this universe. Is that. so? <laughs> that's the way I think of it. It's just another universe. That's right. It's another one, right? Yeah. And there's no competition, right? No one's right and wrong. No. I mean, it's like you look at J.J. Abrams when he rebooted Star Trek. He yeah. put the little time thing in. He gave him carpool. He could do whatever he want. Carpool. Exactly. I can make any story I want now because they're going to rewrite history from this point on. When, right. uh, he's not negating anything that happened before, right? The, yep. the original series is still canonical. Yep. Yeah, it's the smartest way to go. And I think you're going to see more and more of that. I mean, the DC universe is already doing multiverse too, right? So, yep. Although they did in the based comics on, also. I mean, this is all based on true uh, theory now. Well, yeah. well, it's, uh, you know, I mean, obviously it's quantum physics and it goes way beyond a lot of people's head, but this whole concept of that every instantaneous moment, there's an anti-version of what just happened. Now you could take that at the molecular level, at the, the level of protons and neutrons, or you can take it at the fact that I made a right instead of a left at that right turn, you know? Exactly. So it's, you know, so it's very fascinating this stuff when you think about it, so. Uh, one question I had was the, the history of the TVA in the comics, like what is the history of the TVA? And, and not only the, the TVA, but those, because the three characters, the three, time keepers, I guess they call them here, they also do exist in the comics books, right? But not in right. this role, right? Correct. So, so yeah. it's a little different in the comics. Um, you know, again, the TVA mostly uh, is involved with the Fantastic Four, which is another tie-in hmm, to possible interesting. Marvels. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but it's the, uh, really at the end of time, the one who remains, who's the last being in the universe before the universe essentially ends, creates the timekeepers then to make sure that all the events happen the same exact way. So that's huh, true in that sense. Um, but it's more of a, I like to think of it almost like the matrix. Mm -hmm. So for instance, in the comics, a Mobius, there's more than one Mobius, just like mm -hmm. there's more than one a Agent Smith. There's mm -hmm. a ton of Mobius, you know? They also have these uh, beings that are called Chrono, uh, I can't remember, it's Chrono Watchers or whatever, and they're faceless mannequins almost that, are assigned a new Nexus event to watch it from that point on. So those, they're more inhuman almost in the comic. They're just more of a system in place, whereas this has more actual human characters mm -hmm. that have emotions and interact more, you know, whereas in the comics, it's more of more of an automatic kind of development where all these people are just clones of one another. Like there's a million clones of Mobius, for instance. That's a question I had is when in this week's episode, in episode two, when he goes in and says, hey, I don't remember bringing you that artifact when he's talking to- um, uh, Oh, Ravona. Uh, Ravona, yeah. Yeah. And exactly. And then he goes, I remember, and she goes, you're not the only uh, specter I have right. working for me. And I actually wondered like, you know, is there, like you said, are there actually more- uh, you know, like, does everybody think like there's only one version of time or whatever, but actually, is that not necessarily the case? So are they, is there some more funny business going on there? Uh, or maybe right. it's not another Owen Wilson, maybe it's just another inspector who maybe is, you know, also doing inspections that, um, that, that people aren't aware of, right? There's, there's they, more going on there, right. which I'm pretty certain there is. So. Right. They, they may bring up that there's more than just one Mobius and yeah, Owen Wilson exactly. plays all of them, you know, it's just a different one, you know, I mean, just her presence in the thing is so bizarre too. I mean, because there's no one in the world that I would think would have been running the TVA than Ravona Renslayer because she would be someone I would think they were trying to hunt down as a variant all the time. See, <laughs> so that was the other twist in the whole thing, which I thought was very interesting. And I didn't even know that. I just thought she was one of the justices that the TVA has to, right. to roll over in time court that they have in the comics. Mm -hmm. There's like a justice piece. There's a justice. Uh, uh, there's a couple of different ones. I can't remember the names exactly, but they run the time court which we kind of saw Loki go through in the trial. So 
in the end credits, though, I noticed that she was Ravona Renslayer. Mm-hmm. Who, yep. What's her uh, backstory in the comics? Her her backstory in the comics. She's a very very like a future Earth, like from the twenty ninth or thirtieth century. She's the daughter of a king of Earth, basically that Kang falls in love with, and then goes on to be her his confidant. They have an off and on relationship in the comics, and they're different versions. There's one version where they actually really get along and they just live sort of happily ever after and then there's other ones where they're on again off again and i mean even mobius in the comics has a working relationship with kang the conqueror so mm-hmm. it's so it's all interesting how that's going to play in and i'm sure they have to introduce kang in this series if they don't it doesn't make any sense uh, especially too because i feel like and maybe not so much with this one but i really feel that they're kind of it they were with the series they're kind of in a catch-22 because it's almost like they had to have the series, like you were saying with WandaVision, they want to flesh out, uh, you know, the relationship with Vision, because there's probably going to be more Vision stuff happening in the future, you know, like this white Vision is probably going to mm-hmm. get, get refactored into his old personality or something, right. and that's going to be something that's going to be with Wanda, there's a rumor that she might be a villain coming up in, in some of the future movies, and they wanted to flesh her character out because she's been such a secondary character up until now. Right. So uh, so they get the opportunity to do that in the the series. But at the same time, it's like kind of like if you just watch the movies, just like kind of if you just watch the Avengers movies, you can kind of skip some of the movies in between because they give you enough to follow what's going on. Yep. And I and I kind of, and I really felt that way, by the way, we barely talked about it, but I really felt that way about the Captain America or the Winter Soldier um, a Falcon show, which I really feel like, you know, it's almost like at the end of. Uh, end game I'm like well of course Falcon is going to be the next Captain America right and then they try to create it as if maybe Bucky would be there I'm like what are you talking about Bucky Bucky like you know (laughs) Bucky's the most unreliable person in the world (laughs) you can just stay uttering those words again and he'll be (laughs) Captain America all of a sudden is an assassin again so uh, it's almost like that was just like a cliffhanger that had like that that was just an excuse to have the the show and then like you know basically if you totally skip the show and you go see the movies it's just like and now he's Captain America it's like yeah which is what I assumed at the end of the last movie by the way Right. 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 <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I think, but, but I do feel like this one, at least this does feel more ambitious. This whole idea that you're now adding this layer to reality, everything that basically the, the universe was put in peril for these, uh, infinity stones are just like, you know, uh, uh, playthings in this, this, this well, other universe. Right? right. So you have to assume this is pretty significant to, to the mythos. Right. So, well, that's the, that's the one thing is, is where is, or when, when and where is the TVA? Yes. And what is it? Right. You know, and there is some speculation that it might actually be in the quantum realm. Yep. The actual TVA in that city is in the quantum realm. And there's a scene in, a, in Ant-Man and Wasp where there's a city that's actually seen when they're in the quantum realm. I've heard about that, yeah. And you start wondering if, does the TVA actually exist in the quantum realm to begin with? Right. And it's not in any one specific time. Very similar to how, you know, that's how they invented time travel, basically, is using the quantum realm to jump from all these other multiverses, really, you know? Right. So, so my, my one friend had a question for me the other day, which, you know, I answered pretty eloquently. It's, he was confused again about the, about the time versus the multiverse, right? Mm-hmm. And the, so he's getting confused with the, the sacred timeline right. and how it fits into the different multiverses. And, and the way I thought of it was easy is each multiverse is a separate strand of, of yarn, for instance. Right. And they're all wound together like a rope into the sacred timeline. So even though, for instance, the Avengers, 
they did not break any time laws because they went to other multiverses at different times, but then came back to their own multiverse. See, so although they're on the timeline, they didn't necessarily change their time. They changed another multiverse's time. See, so that's where that comes in. I, I don't know if that makes more sense because that's what people are really getting confused with. And again, Marvel themselves, they made these rules up. They have to abide by them. Right. Well, that's and that's that's actually the question I had, because in my mind, it was similar. I was I had the same question, which was this idea that um, and I know there was that. Um, uh, what's the name of that character that um, Tilda Swinton plays in uh, uh, where she talks about? Well, she explains it to yeah. the Yankee one. It explains yeah. it to something. We're like, you know, as long as like, you know, if the, as long as like, you know, like when you remove the stone at that point, that right. it creates like, you know, this, you know, bridge point in, in the timeline. But if it's placed back at that same moment, then basically, you know, it hasn't been disrupted, right? right. No problem. Uh, right. But it's interesting what you're describing because they do visualize it that way, by the way, too, in that little right. animation where right. you see like multiple strands mixing together. Is it possible that there's only one true uh, timeline because then how could they travel through multiverses right and not only that but then how could um you know does that mean that every any one of these variations would actually create new timelines but but then what you're saying uh, makes more sense where it's like there are some multiverses that are basically okay they're canonical right and right. it's just like these uh, outlier um <laughs> these bootleg <laughs> timelines that need to be like uh, uh back in, you right, know? folded back right. in exactly right. I mean, it's, 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 you know, you look, I mean, there was a, there was a lot of talk about if you look in the first episode, it looks like maybe there's a scene in the background where um, Peggy Carter is being carried in to the TVA. You yeah. Know? Right. And I, the first time I saw it, I, I, I'll be honest, I did not catch it. I just saw two people in the background yeah. and then I looked at it and, and sure enough, it certainly looks like her, you know? So who knows? Maybe she's brought in because Steve Rogers went into that other alternate uh, right. multiverse to have lived the rest of his life with her. And now she's, you know, she's variant, almost as bad as Loki was the variant, even though the Avengers are the ones that basically handed him the Tesseract there. You know? so, <laughs> right, right. So who knows? I mean, it's it's interesting. But all these shows to maintain some degree of order, all the science fiction shows, they all have rules. Right. And and to have a good fan base and, you know, everyone talks about canon and non-canon, but most science fiction things, they all have a base rules that the universe has to live by, you right. know, and you you learn this with world building, you learn it with each movie. And, you know, again, Marvel has set this up now. So even at the end of Endgame, they right. sort of broke their own rules a little bit, unless yeah. you think about it, maybe Captain America went back to a different multiverse lived his life out and then he literally returned back to the other multiverse so he didn't alter right. anything you know so that's you right. got to think of it that way you know so right although i mean still he's in that other timeline i guess unless theoretically he always was right and then he, he maybe he always was i mean yeah. you know it just didn't interfere i mean look i mean look in the end game there is a multiverse that doesn't have thanos anymore because right. he jumped from that moab uh power stone timeline into this prime timeline in our this prime universe right so he got eliminated so in a weird way in our prime multiverse that you know, we killed thanos twice five years right. earlier and then we killed a different thanos from another different one exactly yeah because he comes from a different yeah yeah right. so that that's that proves it right there that there has to be multiverses have to be allowed because right. that's a perfect example right there where does the thanos come from in at the end of uh the uh, uh so, 
So the multiverses are allowed, but they all have to basically follow the same relative time stream. So it would only been five years and ultimately Thanos dies anyway. See, so maybe that's why that doesn't break the rules. Who knows? But if you think about it, that time, that multiverse where Thanos was removed, came willingly on his own out of that multiverse. Well, in that multiverse, you know, for instance, Black Widow's still alive and Tony Stark's still alive in that one because they have no reason to die either of them. See, so you know <laughs> right yeah and and again tony stark snapped out of existence only that one thanos and that one universe at that point there's right. plenty of other thanoses and other multiverses still running around so you know sky's the, the limit. fact that they have to, but they have you know the fact that they have these piles and piles of these infinity stones piled up all over the place means well, that we assume that at some point whoever ends up with the, the the stones whether it's always thanos or somebody else they probably always get defeated right because those right. Uh, well, that was another thing with the comics versus the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Because in the comics, an Infinity Stone from another universe won't work. Right. It only works in its universe, its prime. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So that, that's a rule that they broke on their own. Once again, they didn't break the rule. They're making their own MCU. So they're right. doing their own stuff. So right. that's what a lot of people are crying foul on that. They're like, wait a minute. They can't go to other multiverses and take stones and use it in there. They wouldn't work. They would be, you know, defunct, you know. Based on the comics, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, even that, you know, it looks like in that first episode, Loki's looking through that trash drawer. And, you know, I think that's the first moment he realizes the TVA has this massive power that even Infinity Stones don't. Exactly. The relevance of it. But he does take a time stone. and You don't see him put it back. So <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> so, yeah. So he has he may have it with him when he's uh, uh, traveling around. Right. Which oh. it, which it would be reactivated. Right. Once he's inside of the. Uh, so that that could be a uh, that could be a, a trick. It's something that's still going to be played out well, later on, and he's good at sleight of hand anyway. He might have taken more than one. Right. So clearly, in the MCU, you can use Infinity Stones from other universes, and they work. Because right. so we'll see. That's a nice <laughs> plot device to see what moves forward as well. So, so that's so uh, a few things I wanted to get your general impressions of what you thought of the first two episodes so far, and then also uh, what you think. Uh, what do you think of the the overall plot? Like, what do you think the Loki's uh, uh, the loci, <laughs> what, the, what do you think that individually or, uh, um, uh, collectively what, what they're plotting? Cause I currently, well, it, I'll hear what you say, but I don't think that they have the same plan yet, but they may still start working together. Correct. Yeah. It's, it's, first of all, I, I mean, I think the one thing is this is not the greatest miniseries for children. It's, uh, <laughs> right. whereas WandaVision was very entertaining. For instance, my 11 year old daughter loved WandaVision that almost really started to get her involved with Marvel like mm-hmm. out of the blue. It was very surprised to me. And then she was all into Falcon and winter soldier. Obviously there were some graphic scenes in that for children. Mm-hmm. You had to be a little careful about, but nothing that they haven't seen already. Whereas she watched the first episode of Loki and it just was way over her head. And the, the, the abstract con- concepts of time travel and the mm-hmm. multiverse, I think it was just lost on her. So I, I think the younger kids may miss out on this a little. I don't think they're going to get quite the story. And honestly, the first episode for a kid would be rather boring. You know, they yeah. didn't have a lot. But for people that are into detail and to world building, and it was it was incredible. I thought they did a great job in that first episode. I agree. Of really explaining everything, you know, with, uh, you know, almost the Easter egg, Mr. DNA uh, uh, from <laughs> Jurassic Park. It's yep. a great method of teaching the audience when the 
the individual character in is experiencing the same thing, learning at the yep. same time. So miss miss minutes or whatever they use for that. That know? character's hilarious, by the way. I love that in this <laughs> second episode where it's yes. she's responding to what he's saying, and he's like, "Are you a drawing or are you like alive?" And oh, yeah. she's like, "I'm both." <laughs> I'm both. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Again, you know, with the concept of time already all being played out, like with fate, where it's where it's past, present, or future. You have to wonder if the main motivation of these uh, variant Lokis is not the ultimate demise, death, because right. he's seen his own demise. And that was a big right. scene in that first episode. Uh, very shocking to him what happens. Right. Uh, so maybe that's their main motivation, because you, you heard in the second episode, they say, I'm not interested in becoming the TVA or running the TVA. Right. So they're trying to change, you know, the future, maybe that's what they're trying to do here, you know, so. I had my theory was that uh, from Loki, the our Loki, our version of Loki, uh, who may not be our version of Loki, right? Because he's not. Well, I mean, I guess oh, he's, he's the older one. He's yeah. the he's the Avengers. You know, New he's York the Avengers City. Loki. Exactly. He's, right. he's not the you know, he's pre Ragnarok. Like you know, he's yeah. He's he's a popular character, but not yeah. as popular as he is now. I mean, you know, oh, yeah. Arguably, between Tony Stark and Loki, they're two of the most popular characters in the MCU, right? Completely now. agree. Completely yeah. agree. Yeah. But but based on all those other stories, so I loved how they had the uh, the time theater where they showed mm -hmm. what will happen. Yep. To bring even our Loki up to speed a little. Yeah. So maybe he internalizes that a little because. Yep. You know, right now he's a pretty evil guy right now in yep. 2012 version of Loki. You know, so he hasn't redeemed himself at all yet. You know, exactly. So. He definitely has not. No, no. But I, I, I thought that in they teased out possibly in this uh, episode that maybe this Loki's uh, goal, his current goal, is to uh, rescue Asgard. Actually, because I yes. felt that, it, yeah. So I thought that was possibility. You see him re like look look at a document, and he seems kind of. Mot I mean, he he figures something out there as well about the you know how where how where's Loki where the Lokis are hiding. But um, uh, the that's a good um, point. I like, but that. I think that that might be his uh, agenda, and the, he would require you know getting control of the TVA for that. Although I'm also very curious to, um, uh, that's why I'm saying that I think their agendas are different. I'm very curious to see what the plan is for the other Loki, the Lady Loki, because when he's like saying like she's like, oh, what are you going to offer me that we're going to go in and bust into the TVA and take over the place, and she's like not interested. And I'm like, really? I thought that was your plan. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's a good point. I mean, he's been fascinated with Asgard. I mean, you look at Thor Ragnarok, where he's impersonating Odin to be yeah. basically the rule there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that could be interesting. It's a very, uh, you know, the other thing is we've, we're short on time. You yeah. know, we don't have that many episodes here. Yeah. So, you know, they're really uh, going to have to move forward here and move the story along. I Again, I still have to think somewhere along the lines, Kang the Conqueror comes involved. Because the first episode, they had that glowing look almost like a Tron sword that was like red and stuff. Mm -hmm. And they they dated on the on the temporal reader as being in the somewhere out in the year 3000. So wait, well, where'd that come from? You know, is that right. is that Kang too? Is Kang working with her already? Who knows? You know, that's a whole nother thing. Or hmm. who knows? Maybe this lady Loki is the good person in this whole thing. Right. And maybe the TVA is actually evil behind all this. Exactly. And who knows? Maybe Mobius changes sides halfway through this series and realizes that. You can see a little bit of dissension with Mobius, some yep. of the things, you know, where he mentions, I'm going to burn this place to the ground. 
Because yeah. you could start with my desk. You know, there there is some <laughs> yeah. a little bit of resentment with Mobius and some of this stuff. So who yeah. knows? You know. Yeah, I actually had the same a similar theory that you were describing. Two questions I have for you based on the second episode, the most recent one, which is that the girl. I don't know the character's name. She's like C, whatever, the missing one, the one that right. survives the first right. attack. So the one she that... has seen something. So yes. Lady Loki has shown her something. It's freaked her out. Mm -hmm. So that's what I was wondering is, is Lady Loki's agenda, like you were saying, is she not just like, you know, I'm here to like create chaos or whatever, that she is like, I know the truth and I want people to know the truth, right? right? I think that was a huge teaser because yeah. you don't really get much out of her. She's babbling. Yeah. She says yeah. something about the timekeepers. Right. You know, there's clearly a lot of angst in her voice and her facial expressions. But yeah, yeah I, I think they're teasing something there too. That again, they they brought up in the second episode, not everything that's good is totally good and not everything that's bad exactly. is totally bad. So, you know, is this TVA truly a benevolent organization or is there another agenda or are we not even looking at the true TVA? Are we right. looking at Kang right. and Ravona Renslayer masquerading as the tva who knows mm, interesting. Oh, that's, that's a whole nother concept i hadn't too. thought about that either right exactly I and mean, it's interesting because you have the whole conversation where oh uh, owen wilson which i thought was a really interesting conversation where uh, uh you know um loki's basically telling him oh do you really believe this come on do you really believe this and uh owen wilson basically says i believe it because it's the system i live in right and uh and then uh, loki's like well that's terrible that's a stupid thing to believe just because you know you just were told and he's like oh and you're a god and you're whatever it's like don't we all just kind of and i thought that's very interesting philosophy to basically say you know you're in a bureaucracy you have your day-to-day -day life and of course you accept those things because what else are you supposed to do <laughs> right it's like I it's the it's the reality you're presented with right so exactly yep. but no, to that point true. maybe you know maybe he's swayable if you show him that his reality is not what he thinks it is right i think so i i think that mobius character is going to be very dynamic moving forward and pivotal to the whole series for sure i mean i he's doing a great job on it he if you if you read the comics he, he even looks like the character in that it's it's pretty neat you know so they did a good job with that they they really do with these and that was one of the things with all these shows is when they finally came about the effects are good enough to really pull yeah. off some of these comics and then yeah. that's easy you know, owen wilson he's just got a mustache and he's got yeah. the demeanor but yeah he's they hit that right on you know so that's what's great about it seeing this stuff actually on tv actually in the movies it's 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 amazing it's it's really like a, in a weird way it's like a dream come true for some of this stuff you know right. which never could have happened in the you know the, the 80s or 90s they, they tried i mean you see some of these superhero movies from those time period it's not not the same not like they have oh, absolutely before. not absolutely not no. And my uh, and the last thing I had was uh, was Owen Wilson himself. I've been like you know a, a hit and miss with Owen Wilson. You know I I I, I don't mind him. He could be entertaining. I liked him in like some of the. Um, he's actually written some of the uh, Wes Anderson movies. He like wrote like Bottle Rocket. But anyway, he's like written some of uh, Wes Anderson's earlier films. So he was actually a talented writer, and he's actually a performer. Became pretty famous as an actor. But you know, like I said, he's hit and miss. I, I like him on screen, but you know, never really that impressed with him. But he's great in this role. I mean, I really, really am enjoying him. Enjoying him. That not only that he he's like it's as if he's the old Owen Wilson, but kind of like a kind of a li little more jaded, a little more like burned out and stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, and like I really, really I think he's so much fun in this role. He's great. I mean, and of course uh, Hiddleston too is great as Loki as he always is. Oh, this episode really showcased his talents. I thought yeah, really. Exactly. I mean the. the banter between both of them yes yeah it's good it's a it's it's excellent moving forward and i, I hope it continues and yep. now i mean 
In one sense, I was almost disappointed he went through that time portal. I feel the same way because I wanted to see more of them together. I love that hey. whole sequence. <laughs> I love the, the, oh, the, the dialogue was so great. I love when uh, uh, um, Owen Wilson's calling him out. Uh, Mo Moby is the character. is calling him out like, and he's just like chittering away like with all his plots and everything. He goes, what happened to the guy in the elevator who, who didn't want us to talk at all? It's just like, now, now, now you can't stop talking. <laughs> yeah. It's so I funny. I think they'll be reunited. I, yeah, I I'm pretty sure they will. I mean, they got something special there with the two of them. So I'm pretty Absolutely. sure they're going to have them back together. Absolutely. But I do agree with you that this is uh, certainly labeled as an essential uh, viewing for the next phase of the Marvel uh, yeah. universe. Whereas if you skip Falcon and Winter Soldier, well, you skipped, you know, you, you didn't you didn't miss out on much. You know, this, I, yeah, this is I, this is I essential agree. material. You got to have this one, you know, for yeah. sure. And it's been really great so far. I mean, these first two episodes have been knockouts, really good. Enough. Like I said, like nothing, even my favorite episodes of like WandaVision when I was more invested in that was like, you know, it was, you know, it had good parts, it had bad, bad parts. These first two episodes have just been almost perfect. They've been really, right. really strong. Right. right. So yeah, my last question to you, and we could probably wrap it up here uh, unless you had anything else to cover. But the, my last question is, where did they go? Where do you think at this moment, they you know, like beginning of episode three, they've walked through that portal and where did they go? What What is the plan? Yeah. Great question. Oh, oh, clearly it's probably some other pre-apocalyptic place because mm -hmm. that's the only place you can hide, you know. But they're not sort of keyed on that now that Loki came up with. But I, I would, I wouldn't be half surprised if it's Asgard. You know, yeah, that's where it would be. You know, maybe that's that a great pre-apocalyptic pre Asgard. You know, before wow. Satoris is released again, maybe Hela's yeah. running around. Who knows? You know, I, I think wow. we might see that, but who knows? Maybe we'll see a post-apocalyptic place, like yeah. maybe. Maybe maybe we see an alternate. I mean, I know there's a scene that was in the trailers where clearly you see a decimated Manhattan with the mm -hmm. uh, the old Avengers or Stark Tower all partially destroyed. Maybe that's where they go. I mean, but uh, certainly they're going to go somewhere and plot the next stage of the the process. And clearly, Lady Loki left that time door open long enough mm -hmm. to allow him to go through it because usually those time doors are very quick and they close and they shut. Yep. So there was an intentional leave the door open there i think so mm -hmm. that's yeah. definitely for him to make his choice uh, absolutely I, I i think for him at the point in that show it's probably the right choice mm -hmm. because he's already going to be framed as as possibly betraying the tva anyway so he really has no choice other than jump through that door i think at that point you know right right yeah and he would probably and actually that's a good point that it may not just be a betrayal like you said, that even if he went back and he said, I couldn't catch her and I know what her plan is, whatever else, not, I don't know what her plan is because she didn't reveal anything, right? right? And basically, you know, uh, she got the better of me. She got the better of all of us. And I can imagine just being like, look, everything's in chaos right now. We're going to reset you anyway, because it's right. just like, there's just too much going on. Like, much going on. Yeah, even if, if even if they don't blame him, they'll just be like, well, we have enough going on right now. We're going to reset right. you anyway. Right. So he or really has no alternative other than this escape. No. Right? So. And, and nobody saw his struggle with, with the alternate Loki and, and the different body and forms other than the one female enforcer Minuteman who saw him and her and then she blacked out. So she right. certainly thinks that he's, she already has a bad thing against <laughs> It's just Loki. like him anyway. <laughs> you know, so he's got nothing to stand on but to lose if he stays in that right. with the TVA there. So that's, yeah, that's uh, actually a good point. I actually originally was saying, well, you know, he did have a choice, but now that you put it that way, I, I really don't think he had any choice at all. I don't, don't think he did at that point. You know, he's he would have been you just would have been reset, like you said, or pruned, or both. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. The, I love um, the terms pruned and reset. <laughs> all it's, <laughs> exactly. 
the um, yeah, I know, I, I, I like that too. I my theory was that they were going to jump into like, and I was like, but this didn't make sense to me because I'm like, she's not interested in like basically taking over the power of the TVA. But I actually thought that there was a chance that she would that they would be jumping into the TVA from there oh, for the right. fact that uh, you know the TVA is in total chaos right now. So you can imagine like with all of these, you know, like if she wanted to get in there, and even if she didn't want to like infiltrate. Uh, uh, you know, uh, the power of the TVA, but she wanted to like, whatever, get like more evidence against them. And she knew where this, uh, you know, denied access yeah. type files or stuff might be. She could I go and, and grab it because it'd be a moment uh, of opportunity. But I yeah. like your theory of them going to Asgard because mm -hmm. I think that would be very emotional, very potent to have him there when Asgard's destroyed or, uh, you know, to kind of see uh, uh, the, the history that he missed, right? So I think that would be very but interesting to actually you, do that. You've got a good point, too. They they got really no reason to hide right now because there's such chaos right now. I, so that's that's something, too, that, I, yeah, it keeps you, keeps you wondering. It, it keeps you wondering and keeps you guessing, which is the yep. great thing about these shows. It, yep. They really are unpredictable in a lot of ways. It's, uh, it's you know, I, I did hear something uh, and along the lines of, uh, anything was fair game in this series yeah. from a Marvel standpoint. They could, and really based on the whole context, you could, you could bring in anything. You could bring yeah. in any person, you know, there's no set, oh, well, we're in this world right now. We can only use these set of characters. Use any character you want right now. Right. I mean, think about it. You Use any character from any time yeah. in any universe. So yeah. anything goes. I mean, it just, it's fascinating because the TVA never really, interacted with loki in the comics you know they did have some interaction with thor but not necessarily loki and really the tva mostly was fantastic four stuff they were always trying to beat reed richards because he was always doing stuff with time and the time loops and all and and mobius was the biggest one trying to bust reed richards eventually so you know it's it's fascinating how <laughs> ultimately now they have loki matched up with him so the whole series is like a what if in some yep. degree you know? yeah exactly but always good stuff. And uh, I'm looking forward to Wednesdays now, just like yeah. I look forward to Friday. That's right. I'm very excited. I can't wait for the next one. I, I just love how they're not dumping them all at once yep. and you can't binge. Yep. It's really a throwback old school serial. You know, what happens next? Oh, I got to wait a whole nother week to find out. Oh, man. It's like <laughs> great. It's awesome. It just builds the suspense. It's absolutely it's very cool. And we get to speculate about it too, right? Absolutely. That's all. They love it. It's they do. pure fodder for them. They, it's just pure. It's, it's free advertising. Everyone. <laughs> it absolutely is. Right. And we're advertising for them right now. Right. So. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But that's where you think you, you got to have with the TVA that the lead into Kang and obviously the Fantastic Four. Both of those yeah. definitely yeah. have to have some precedence here. And, and, and I'm sure, like you said, whether it's only at the end and you get like an end credit scene kind of thing like they used to do. But it, if they don't, it's a it's a missed opportunity, you know, just like they had missed opportunities in WandaVision too, I think. Yeah, so, yeah. But we'll see. All right. I'm very excited. <laughs> Thank you so much for, uh, and uh, I hope we get to touch base again next week. I'd love to uh, hear your feedback and I'm sure it's going to be another great episode. I feel confident about it actually, so. I agree too. I'm looking forward to it, Victor. Yep. All right. Awesome. All, All right. right. Thanks so much. Talk to Thank you soon. Take care, man. All right. So that was the end of my conversation with Ray. I learned a lot of new things there. I hope that was uh, informative to you as well. Uh, depending on how comic book savvy you are, I think that's a lot of information. You know, all this speculation is is part of the fun. I mean, a large part of the fun, I think. And, uh, and we'll have Ray on, hopefully, uh, when time permits, 
uh, have him attend uh, these other uh, recordings as well so we can add even more detail and we can keep speculating and selling Disney's product, <laughs> which we love doing, by the way. Make sure to subscribe if you haven't already so you know when there are new episodes. We are also simultaneously uh, going to be recapping the nine episodes of Evil, the CBS, or I should say the Paramount Plus TV show available currently on Netflix, but moving to Paramount Plus. It's an X-Files-like show, but with supernatural elements rather than alien conspiracy. And I had a very good first season, very successful one as well. And uh, so make sure you check that out if you do have Paramount Plus. If you don't, I recommend you pick it up for the summer. I mentioned earlier, you can see A Quiet Place 2. You can watch Maverick, the new Top Gun sequel. You can watch Infinity, that new Mark Wahlberg movie, which is available right now if you wanted to see that. Uh, and they also have um, the new Mission, Inco- uh, Mission Impossible movie coming as well. Plus, of course, all these shows, all the Star Trek shows. There's three new original Star Trek shows, plus two more coming this year as well. So five total new Star Trek shows. If you haven't caught up with Picard and uh, all the new series, you have an opportunity to do that now. Reach out to us if you'd like to uh, give us your feedback. Need some introduction at gmail.com. All right. So once again, loved the episode. Can't wait to see where it goes. And uh, check in with us later. Talk to you soon.